The following is a Pro Football Network podcast, the primary voice for pro football at profootballnetwork.com. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another edition of More Than Football, the show where we're joined by the star, the man himself, Mr. Trey Wingo. Trey, I am jacked up today, man. Uh, You should be. This is going to be a really good show, a really fun show. It's the best weekend of the entire year, in my opinion, the divisional round. Two great games on Saturday, two great games on Sunday. And we really have the perfect person to talk about it, as well as delve into more than football, because his life is certainly about more than just football. Yeah, and you and you know that the bulk of my life's work, my passion is uh, individuals with developmental disabilities. I come from a single parent family, and this guy does so much work with that. Oh, and by the way, Super Bowl champion, league MVP, Hall of Fame quarterback. Let's get him in here, Mister Kurt Warner. Kurt, What's up, dude? Guys? How are we doing? We're good. We're doing well. Good, uh, listen, I, this was a. I'm so glad you wanted uh, you agreed to do it this week because it's the perfect time to talk to you with everything that's going on in the game, but also everything that's going on in your life. And I just want to say quickly, shout out here. Well, over a year ago, we started the Half Forgotten History podcast. The first guy to say yes was Kurt Warner, and we had a blast doing that episode. And so I'm glad that he can be on this platform with us as well today. Yeah, I'm glad to be back on. It's good stuff here, my man. I'm. Uh... Uh, it was it was fun the first time around, uh, but as you said, lots going on in life. Great weekend of football. Uh, I'm with you. If if you know the hype leading up to these games is anything like these games, uh, it is going to be a phenomenal weekend because we have some incredible matchups. Uh, and I, I mean, I, I just can't wait. I mean, this time of year, you just want to skip from weekend to weekend. You want to forget about right. you know the five days in between. And let's just go to more football. The, the wild card round to me, Kurt, was such a massive letdown because it was just filled with blowouts. And, and 17.2 margin of victory average. By that's crazy. 17.2. That's yeah. crazy. It's three scores. And, Kurt, I mean, look, you, you guys in the greatest show on turf put up a ton of points. But, I mean, what was the Bills game? 47 to 20 and, and a whole bunch of other 17. Stuff. Yeah, so it's like, yeah. Kurt – are you expecting some of the same this week, or do you really think we'll get that type, like you said, that type of close matchup that we're supposed to get? Uh, I mean, I feel like we should. I mean, I feel we're at the point now where the teams that are left um, have been playing good football, and the teams that are left have good quarterback play, uh, you know, because quite frankly, that's what this time of year comes down to is that. If you don't if if you don't have a discrepancy in the quarterback play, I believe the games are going to be really good games and they're going to be close and they're going to have drama because you're going to believe that any team can come back at any given moment. Yeah. And you look at, you know, these games and you know, maybe I, I guess the only place that you might point to is San Francisco in saying, you know, maybe you're not getting great quarterback play. But you're getting great play play from the running backs or, you know, the run game and great play from the defense. That is kind of the one thing that you say to yourself, okay, if we're not going to get great quarterback play, we got to have, you know, those two facets be really good. And San Francisco makes up for, you know, maybe where there's a, a little bit of a drop at the quarterback with those other factors. So I believe, you know, that allows that game uh, you know, to at least have the capacity to be another great football game for us. Uh, so I, I do believe, you know, we're in a position 
again, you know, they still got to play the games and everybody's still got to show up, which we know doesn't always happen at playoff mm -hmm. time. But I do, when I look at each one of these matchups, I could make an argument that either team could win these matchups. Yeah. You know, we're not going in and going, well, it's probably going to be all the home teams winning, you know, and maybe this team and that team have a chance to knock them off. I fully think we could see four road teams win this weekend, and we could see four home teams win this weekend. I do believe it's that close um, when you look at it on paper and you look at strengths and weaknesses of each team. Yeah, that, that's what makes it so much fun. And before we get into the, the, the games, when you began your career with the Rams, you started in the divisional round. You guys uh, were, were the top seed, and you had to sort of wait uh, to watch the wild card weekend play out. So what was it like for you? Uh, this was your in, in 99, you guys, your first foray into the postseason. You had to wait the extra week for the bye before you got in and you played that amazing, crazy game against the Vikings, which had just a little bit of everything in it. What, what was your what was your uh, sort of emotional state waiting to play that game? Well, the first part is I will take the bye any day of the week yeah. and twice on Sundays. You know, yeah, we yeah. always have that debate. Oh, if you're a hot team, do you yeah. want the bye? Do you yeah, I want the buy. I, I want to play less games to get to the Super Bowl every year. I want everybody else beating them, themselves up and having to play and having to deal with the emotions of it. So you definitely want the buy. Was that the was with that, that the consensus said, of your teammates? Like, did you did your teammates also yeah. feel that way? Yeah, I, I think everybody feels that way. Um, you know, again, maybe there's a select few guys that say, "Well, we want to keep playing because we're hot and we feel good," and I understand that mentality. But you don't understand what you get from a bye week. You know, a lot of people could understand, well, you get the physical week off. You know, you get a chance to, to, to let your body rest. Yes. But you get a mental week off, too. You know, even though you're thinking yep. about the playoffs, the stress of every week having to put your best out there and knowing if we lose this week, we're going home. That is a level of mental stress that to be able to avoid that for an entire week is a good thing you know it, yeah. it's good to know that you don't have to play that game and you don't have to worry about losing everybody else has to worry about that for a week um you know but with all that being said you're definitely anxious too um you know especially the first time around when you have a buy you're like okay everybody else is playing uh, we just i just want to play again you know we're trying to make a run for a super bowl i, I don't like sitting here and having you know to wait um, you know, for that moment, because I believe anytime you're waiting and you're thinking about a moment that it does wear on you. That's why I always yeah. thought that the Super Bowl week was the hardest week of the year because they would sequester you in your hotel for an entire week in the city where you were playing. So there was nothing else to do. You know, I, I couldn't yeah. go to my kids practice. I couldn't go out to dinner or to a movie with my wife. I was stuck in that. And so all I did 24-7 was think about the game, think about the game, think about the game. The first game that I played in 99, I was completely exhausted by the time we played the game. I was almost like, can we just get this game over with? Like, <laughs> you know, I'm so worn out thinking about it. And, you know, that's where the experience comes in. As I got to my second and my third one, I learned how to manage that better and, and, and really try to get away from football. But the first time out, man, it was – everything you turn on the tv all they're talking about is is you and what you're going to do and what's the game and you're just like oh my gosh i can't i don't know how to get away from this and i really was worn out 
by game time. So it, it's really about managing those emotions when you're not playing. That becomes, I, I think, a big factor in how you're going to play when you get to that moment. So I, I loved having the bye. Uh, it was hard to watch everybody else play, but you knew ultimately it was going to be a, a huge benefit for you. Well, well, let's start with the first game of the weekend because I think it's the one that I think could be the most unpredictable because of Derrick Henry, right? If Derrick Henry plays against the Bengals and is effective, I think Cincinnati could be in a lot of trouble because their defensive line is so banged up. But we don't know what Derrick Henry's level of play is going to be, and that changes how this game could play out dramatically. It, it does. Trey, before I go there, i just thinking about the divisional weekend since you asked me about it. Uh, yeah. I remember that uh, in my first playoff game that Mike Martz, gave us the play two days before we played the, the first play of the game, two days before we played that game. So that was another thing that I did. I spent two days going Thinking through about every scenario <laughs> in my head on how, yeah. we, okay, if they do this, I'm going to do that. If they do th I mean, literally, I felt like I was dreaming about this play. I don't know if I was dreaming about it or if I was just in a state where I was still kind of awake, but I'd be laying in bed at night, you know, seeing pictures of how this thing was going to play out for two days. Because That's he gave tough. it. Now we were lucky. The first play of the game was a 77-yard touchdown. So I actually must have seen the play work work out in my head correctly. <laughs> uh, but those are the kind of things that you do when you're waiting to play this game. Yeah. You're going through this stuff so much and playing out these scenarios in your head. And that was just a unique thing that I was surprised that normally you don't know that the first play of the game until the night before. But he had given it to us a few days before that and said, "This is what we're going to run." So think about it. Figure it out, you know, go back and watch film on, on what they might do to this formation, um, you know, and so that was going through my mind. So I just I just wanted to share that story because it yeah, popped in my head as we were talking about that. That's, really good. that's um, really good. But, you know, to your point about, you know, the Titans and Derrick Henry is the one good thing about the Titans is they don't play any differently without Derrick Henry. Right. Now, you know, Derrick Henry is a different beast. And so, you know, Cincinnati has got to look at this thing a certain way and, Tennessee is coming in going, man, we hope we get that Derrick Henry and we can ride that Derrick Henry. Yeah. But the great thing is, is that even when he got injured, this team didn't change who they were. They didn't yep. change their personality. Were you surprised they by that? They are going to play the same game. Um, not really. I mean, because, again, I think you build teams to play a certain way. Yeah. And now all of us, you know, that we build our teams around certain players – um, but I think you look at Ryan Tannehill and the success that he's had in Tennessee. I think a huge part of that is because of how they play the game. Yeah, They're playing to his strengths now. And so had Derrick Henry got hurt and all of a sudden they go, let's go, you know, be the Miami team, you know, that, that spread it out and, and tried to throw it all over with Ryan Tannehill. I'm not saying Ryan wouldn't have been good, you know, cause I think he's grown and he's a better quarterback, but ultimately I don't think he would be as good as he is in this system. Right. Um, you know, with what they do and how right. they play. And so uh, I think a lot of it comes down to this is how we are built. You know, if Lamar Jackson goes down, yep. do you continue to play that way if you're the Ravens? <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah. or do you go and change the way you play? Your personnel isn't built to change the way that you play. Right. So they got to go all in and they get a backup quarterback that fits that style. Yep. And so I think that's important to have uh, – that persona and, and to carry it through. And I think it helps your team as a whole to know, okay, my defense, we're not making wholesale changes on the offense where all of a sudden we're going to throw it all over and you guys might be on a short field and we might turn the football over. 
No, we're going to play the same way because we're built the same way. And so I think that's the great thing going into this game, that whether you have Derrick Henry or not, he's a huge upgrade and, and he's a benefit. And you've got two backs, you know, a stable of backs back there that can do what you do. But you're not putting in one game plan in hopes that you get Derrick Henry for 30 snaps, you know, right. or 30 carries. And a different one if he's not in there. The game plan will be the same either way, and I think that bodes well for the, the number one seed in the Titans. Yeah, and, and it's funny because th that's a game that I think, you know, you look at how good Joe Burrow has looked and how the Bengals have looked and, and you know, beating the Chiefs to end, you know, at, towards the end of the regular season and all this confidence. And to your point, the Titans are going in there and saying, we don't have to change anything. Yeah, we're adding De Derrick Henry, but we're getting an upgrade on what we've already been doing well. I hate to I hate to put you on the spot here and you could tell me to go, you know, shove it if you if you want to, but I, I think the Titans squeeze this out. And to your point, I think a lot of it is because of the bye week and and the, the Bengals might be under a bit more pressure here. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah. Well, I mean, I'm leaning towards the Titans as well. And you know, when it gets to this time of year, one of the big things that I always look at is consistency. Yeah. Is what do I know I'm going to get from a team? Yeah. Great There's point. no doubt in my mind that the Cincinnati Bengals could win the Super Bowl because their quarterback's playing well, and they've got all these guys on the outside that at any given moment can go to the house. You know, yep. you could have a game like against the Chiefs where you throw for, you know, 400 yards, and every time you complete one, a guy's jumping <laughs> over the top of somebody else and making a great catch or yep. catching a five-yard ball and taking it 70 yards. The only problem is – the team hasn't been that consistent in doing that all year long. They've had yeah. those moments. And so they could have one of those moments this week and they could blow the Titans out by 20 points. Right. Or they could be the other team that we've seen it a number of times this year where they don't have that and yep. they struggle to score points and they're not built across the board as a great football team. And so they score 23 points and they get beat by double digits. And so that's the hard part about Cincinnati is that we can fall in love with them because we think back to those games, the 500-yard game against the Ravens, you know, the, coming back, you know, against the Chiefs with all these phenomenal plays. But then we could look at last week and they struggled to get points on the board and they ultimately ended up, you know, holding on to win that game against, a you know, an okay Raiders team. But they didn't wow you with anything. That's right. Because yeah, they didn't get those big plays. Just and, 378 you know, yards of offense in that game. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And so that to me is why I lean towards the Titans, just because I, I think there's a level of consistency there on both sides yeah. that I can count on. And uh and so I'm gonna lean in their direction because if I get that level of consistency, I'm in good shape. And I just don't know. It's kind of a 50-50 proposition, probably, you know, higher than that because obviously Joe Burrow is playing great. Jamar right. Chase, you know, is good every time out. But I could see at the same time them struggling to get those big plays and those points. And I think that's where, you know, it lends itself to say the home team has a bit of an advantage here. You know, I always look for matchups inside matchups, right? That's one of the reasons why I like Tennessee in this game because the defensive line is so beat up uh, for Cincinnati. And – Everyone is, you know, Aaron Rodgers probably going to win his second straight MVP award. He and Devontae Adams have been great. But I think the last team they want to see is San Francisco because their run defense was 30th in the league this year, as you well know, giving up 4.7 yards per carry. Down the stretch, it was even worse, about five and a half. 
That is exactly what San Francisco wants. They, they won that game two years ago in the NC title game with Jimmy G throwing it eight times. They hid him. I mean, this is a strength-on-weakness matchup that could really bode well for San Francisco. Uh, it could, um, you know, but I also go back to the first matchup this year, and San Francisco struggled to run the ball. You know, yeah. they didn't dominate up front. But you're right. I mean, they're playing Debo wasn't now doing the things he's doing now back no, then. He, he wasn't, and, and they're yeah. different teams. And so you could definitely see that. But they did a good job in that game, and they got up 17-0 to zero in that game. Yeah. Um, you know, and they took advantage of some of the things on defense and they, they attacked them a certain way uh, with their offense. So, um, again, this is one of those games that that I could see go either way. You know, if the Packers are able to put it into Jimmy G's hands, can he make enough plays to win this game? Because you have to believe Aaron Rodgers is going to be able to do some things against this team. But we've also seen this 49er team in the playoffs you know, take over the offensive line of the Green Bay Packers and give them yeah. absolutely nothing. Yep. So that's yep. in my mind as well. Um, I just think, yeah, this is, this is a team in the 49ers that are playing good football. It's a team that can win the line of scrimmage on both sides. And as much as we want to talk about shiny toys and, and great quarterbacks and all that absolutely. stuff, the trenches is where games are still won and lost. And it's yep. not sexy. And we usually don't talk about it unless you're just running down somebody's throat. But ultimately, that's where games are won and lost. So you, your quarterback can do what he wants to do. Um, and San Francisco, without a doubt, has a chance to dominate in the trenches on both sides of the ball in this football game. I still like the home team. I, I still yeah. like Green Bay uh, in this moment. I like Aaron Rodgers, the way he's playing. And you know, just watching the first matchup, they did some really good things against them um, in that game that I think, um, you know, I think they're going to have a similar type game plan. So I like them. But, uh, but yeah, if Jimmy G plays a good football game, I'm not going to be surprised on Monday if, uh, if Green Bay is going home and San Francisco is moving on. Well, well, Kurt, well go, go ahead. Bradley, just get this one in because you yeah. mentioned it. Because I think that's a big key in the, in the first game on Sunday too. Uh, one of the strengths of Tampa Bay's team that nobody has talked about because they all played was that offensive line. Tristan Wirfs, those snaps he missed – in the wild card with well, the first snaps he's missed in his career. No idea what his situation is. Jensen's a little backed up, uh, a little banged up as well. Uh, Worf's backup is also banged up. And now in comes Aaron Donald, Leonard Floyd, Von Miller, and that Rams defense. And suddenly the idea of having a 44-year-old quarterback behind a you know, somewhat banged up offensive line is a little more concerning than it would be. Without a doubt. And, you know, we all know Tom, you know, we know who Tom is. We know that he's the greatest <laughs> to ever play. But we also know that what he doesn't like is quick pressure in his face. Right up the middle. And yep. when you get quick pressure in his face, he gets uncomfortable in the pocket. And it's visually uncomfortable in the pocket. In the game that they played earlier this year, I think it was week three, the Rams threw a bunch of stuff at him early. And even though they didn't get sacks early, they were on his, in his face early. They Jalen Ramsey played in the slot. They blitzed him three or four times in the game. Um, and you could see Tom Brady visually uncomfortable in that game. He was passing up throws down the field to throw checkdowns really quick. His footwork was bad because he was getting antsy in the pocket. That will be a key in this game. And, and it, you know, you could probably go back to every one of Tom Brady's losses in the super, in the playoffs, and you could pin it down to did the team get after him early? hit him early, 
and make him uncomfortable in the pocket. Yeah. When they did, I would say the Patriots or, or the Bucks probably struggled or they lost those football games. And that's exactly what happened in, in round one. I mean, he threw for whatever, 400 yards or something in the game, but it was an uncomfortable 400 yards. And, and he missed some opportunities because he was uncomfortable in the pocket. And so that will, without a doubt, be a key component of this game. And, you know, just doing a breakdown on, on this game just last night. And, you know, one of the things that will be fascinating to watch is Aaron Donald and where they play Aaron Donald is that they do a great job of using their front to create matchups for him and get, getting him on certain players yeah. on the other side. The sack fumble that he created against this Bucks team in week three, he was actually outside, not just the tackle. They had a tight end over there too. He was outside the tight end. It was like so a wide nine. In a, in a wide position. But what, I, what I'm trying to get at is they had him lined up against a tackle, or in this case it was Gronk a tight end, but they put him out wide. Right. So they've got the ability to take Aaron Donald if Wirfs isn't playing right. and go, let's get him on the tackle. Yeah, let's get him worse. against the weakest area of this team yep. where we where they can't get any help on him. And so they move him around and do some different things with him. So I'm going to be fascinated to see how they use him in this game to create who they think the weak link of this, you know, this Bucks offensive line is. Yeah. They'll find a way to get him isolated on that guy and allow him to rush Tom in that way. Yeah, let's not forget that Ryan Jensen also got banged up last week too, and yeah. had to come out for for a little bit. So, so when you have a guy like Aaron Donald, you can move all over the place. I mean, yeah. that's going to be a huge advantage, I think, to LA. But, but Kurt, one of the things that you talk so much about, and I don't think enough people do, is the importance of the quarterback's ability to process. Right. It's not just about mm -hmm. physical traits; it's the ability to process. Would you say like this weekend more than any? is where those quarterbacks shine the most? You know, I think oftentimes it comes down to the team that you're playing against. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I'm just a firm believer is that, you know, when you, when you look at the Super Bowl as a whole over the years, quarterbacks that play in that game are usually the quarterbacks that process information really well, that play the game from inside the pocket really, really well. We're always going to see some exceptions. You know, there's going to be some exceptions along the way. But usually those exceptions are because their team can run the ball really well yeah. and their team plays great defense. So the quarterback becomes a secondary piece to it. Yeah. But more times than not, it's about the quarterbacks that process well. And that will definitely be a key component. And, we're you know, we're talking about this game with the Bucks. That will be a key component for Matthew Stafford because Todd Bowles brings pressure on almost every play. You know, and most of the pressure comes in zone dog looks because they have all these guys that are so flexible. You know, the Shaq Barrett's that can drop into coverage. And, and you know, White, um, you know, Devin White, uh, you know, who can do so many different things. He's great when he pressures. He's great on the back end. He can cover different players that you might not think he can cover because of his speed. Um, you know, so, so you know, they just have, you know, a lot of flexible guys in their front. And so they'll get a lot of stuff thrown at them throughout this game. And Matthew Stafford's ability to see it, process it, and make the right decision when that pressure is coming up um, will be a, a key component in this game without a doubt. And, and on the same side with Tom Brady. I mean, obviously we know he's one of the best processors ever. But if he does have issues at the offensive line and he's got to process and get the ball out and make the right decision and still try to threaten a defense, 
um, that, you know, it, it will be extremely important uh, through most of these games on, on the ability for the, these quarterbacks to process, yes. Well, if, if we're talking about quarterbacks that are processing well, then nothing sets up better than the late game Sunday because it's the first time in postseason history where we've had two quarterbacks coming in to face off against each other that both threw five touchdown passes in the previous playoff game. And the first time ever in NFL history where we have two teams coming in to play each other that have both scored 40 points in their previous playoff game. I mean, this there's a reason to me this game, Kurt, is the last game of the weekend because this, by all accounts, should be an absolute showstopper. It should. I mean, if if we get the kind of quarterback play that I think we're all expecting to get from these two guys that, you know, just unbelievable talents in, in our league, uh, it's going to be a phenomenal way to finish the weekend. And it's probably going to be a slugfest. Um, you know, heard Kittle a couple of weeks ago just talk about, you know, it's a body bag game. Yeah. I mean, th- you know, this yeah. might be haymaker after haymaker. And, yep. you know, who throws the last one gets out of here with a win. You know, the fascinating part of this, though, is, you know, with all the things that you're talking about, Trey, uh, the first time they played, the Chiefs had zero pass plays of 20 yards or more in that game. Yep. Yep. Zero, which, you know, we all know that that's unheard of for Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid and company. And so in this game, as much as we were talking about these haymakers and both these quarterbacks throwing them, the winner may be, you know, the team that forces the other guy to have to keep jabbing all night long um, and and be patient. Uh, In the first time around, you know, the Bills got big play after big play after big play, big play touchdown, big play touchdown. And that's why this thing, you know, was blown wide open. Whereas Patrick Mahomes, they didn't get the big plays and and he's having to go the long distance and, you know, that they just couldn't wait him out there. And so can the Bills defense that has been good all year, Notre Davis White, can they take that same formula without, yeah. you know, giving up? Because there were some big play opportunities for the Chiefs. They just didn't hit them in this game. Can they do that again? You know, it sounds really good because they got pressure with four and, you know, they were able to, to, you know, play man on the back end and be aggressive with these receivers so they didn't get anything easy. Can they do that again? I, I don't know, you know, and the Bills got all these big plays. Okay, what if they don't get the big plays? Can, can Josh Allen, you know – not try to push the ball down the field and be that quarterback that can take what the defense has given them and make the right play instead of the big play. And well, so it's, that's yeah. the cat and mouse of this game that, you know, I'm like you guys, I hope it's 45 to 42. <laughs> I mean, I, I hope right. we're getting these yeah. guys at their best, Yeah. but I have to believe both defenses are going in and saying, Hey, this is what turned the tables last time. Can we do this again? How do we slow these guys down? So, you know, even if they beat us, they got to work to beat us. I don't want right. to give up a 53-yard touchdown and a 40-yard touchdown and, and and all these big plays, a 61-yard play to Steph. I mean, that's those are difference makers right there because it, it makes the game easy on an offense when you flip the field or you score and you don't have to even get into the red zone. Um, you know, and so that has to be the approach of both of these teams. And I know easier said than done. Because these guys are so good, not only in the pocket, but more importantly, when they break contain, when they get out, when they use their legs, that's where they're maybe more dangerous. And and I would say that about both of these guys. So um, it's going to be a fascinating game. And, you know, it has the feel of a championship Sunday game instead of a divisional round game. Um, but I think it's going to be an awesome way to finish the weekend, um, you know, and, and 
you know, just kind of looking at it now, you, you have to believe the winner of that game is probably going to be the favorite uh, to go to the Super Bowl in L.A. Well, listen, I love the fact that you talked about the defenses because both defenses could not be more different than, the, than when they met early in the year. Like you said, Tredavious White is out for the Bills. Chris Jones didn't play in that game for the right, Chiefs. They hadn't signed Melvin Ingram yet. And Ingram was part of the Steelers who went into Orchard Park week one and really caused problems for the Buffalo Bills. So th these are two completely different, different defenses uh, than we saw when they played the first time around.